Hello everyone, this is your host Carlos of Plug Me In Radio. Be prepared, we got good music, good interviews, and most important, good vibes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Stay tuned for more. Hello friends, it's time for another edition of the Ryan Show FM radio program. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at L.I. Can Aficionado. Go check them out on Instagram at L.I. underscore Can Aficionado. It should come up if you type it in. They're providing you with all of the 420 magic that you need on our favorite holiday. Tonight on our radio program, we will be joined by Granddaddy IU, a Long Island hip-hop legend who is no stranger to the consumption of 420 goodness, as you'll find out soon. Also, it's not a 420 special without Dave Falkowski from Open Minded Organics, one of the premier farmers out in the Hamptons growing all of your favorite pot essentials. And he's got a great store, Open Minded Organics. Visit them online at openmindedorganics.com. Now, without further ado, let's get tonight started. You're listening to The Riot Show. This is The Riot Show. You're listening to The Riot Show. This is The Riot Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is a very special broadcast because it's not just a regular Ryan Show FM program, for this is the 420 special. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, give yourselves a round of applause for listening and bearing with us, especially through this, this theme song, which you've heard at least a hundred times. And what better guest to start our 420 special than our own, and I like to call him our own because he's way more than a regular, he's a lifelong friend. And he's a staple of marijuana culture here in New York State and beyond. Put your hands together for Dave Falkowski. The medicine man has returned. Good to see you, brother. Hey, good to see you. I know it's not as glamorous here on the stream yard, but they're listening on the radio to all these added sound effects. Sounds like we're flying through space right now, literally. The flight of the Valkyries is behind us. 
I don't know what you're smoking, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> I wish I could say it was your herb because yeah. from what I've read mm. and from what I've heard, it's top notch, baby. You don't really see, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. The weed that they send us from California here in New York, it's subpar. It's what they don't want to smoke. So it takes the real growers like yourself out here in New York for us to get a taste of that gold that we all crave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it is. I think back in the day, I know the Canadians, they had a saying, right? You know, keep the best and ship the rest. And, uh, you know, no doubt. I mean, every once in a while, someone's got a really great solid connection. But uh, why would they send us the good stuff when they're going to charge us twice the price anyway? Exactly. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to do that. I really like that saying. You said, keep the best, ship the rest. That's the Canadians, Canadians. Yeah. Damn those Canadians. Ruthless. <laughs> Ruthless well, Canadians. I, I don't think too much is coming over that northern border anymore. So, you know, the, the gig is up. Right? Yeah, Seriously. I, I think, well, it's probably coming out of uh, Oklahoma now, right? I mean, you know, New York, uh, you know, the, the U.S. is in an interesting position, you know, with all these mature, overproduced, you know, markets. And they're just raining packs on New York State. I've, I've heard even it. reports in some cases, you know, all these uh, sticker shops, whatever we're going to call them politely. Yeah. But, I mean, guys are moving so much stuff. I mean, literally by the pallet load. Like one dude saw literally wow. a forklift in broad daylight off of a truck. And it's like, wow. wow. Crazy. Okay. So I want to ask about Oklahoma. But the guests that are listening, the people, the audience, they need to know a little bit more about you. Some of them are just tuning in for the first time. We have Dave Falkowski. He's a, a pioneer. He's one of the guys that's really spearheading the charge in New York State as it becomes legal, as weed becomes legal. And if you look at some of the legislation that's been drawn up in a lot of other states, it doesn't really suit the needs of the people or of the smokers. It suits the needs of these big corporate businesses. It's the same type of problem that we always see in the medical industry. So it's very important that we give guys like Dave a platform to come on and give us the truth and the hard facts of what's going on behind the scenes. A lot of us are just too high to really know what's going on. Let's be honest. So, okay. Dave. I mean, that's what you're here for. I mean, uh, you know, you know, you're, you're the consultant, all these other things. So before we get into this Oklahoma question, um, just in general, what do you think about the last time you came on was about six months ago. And a lot has happened with this weed legislation. A lot was being written yeah. up. Are you happy with how the, the, the trajectory and the direction that things are going right now when it comes to legalization of weed in New York? Let, let's just say this. Uh, it's not really legalization. It's regulation, right? Because if it was legal you would be able to just be growing it in your backyard, getting seeds at the hardware store. So as long as we just clarify, I'm not happy that it's not legal. All right. Mm. That being said, the regulated market that they're, they're building, it it's going okay. I, I, I truthfully have to believe the, the folks that are upstate there uh, in the OCM, the Office of Cannabis Management, are, are doing their best and they're battling a lot of battles because there's a lot of interests and some of them are monetized than, than others. No, the core so of my what, are, what are the main issues right now? Just like before, you know, like the main issues yeah. that are holding it up and messing things up for, so for we, the, the main issue that's growers. holding everything up is just literally the legislative process. You know, the, the, the bureaucracy of, you know, when, when you create legislation or guidance or regulations, it needs to go to a review period. And then the state needs to yeah. review the, the comments and then things have to simmer over here. And then, uh, a board, you know, things need to be published. Then a board has to meet to to make a decision. So, you know, that's that's really what's taking a long time. Um, yeah. Is just as if it was any other, you know, legislative measure. So that's that's what slows things down. You know, after that, I think there's a lot of well-intended people, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, as we've seen in just about every other state, 
Now, cannabis regulation, or we can use this term kind of legalization, really doesn't yeah. always mean opportunity for the layperson. You know, it doesn't mean like, hey, man, like I've been making these great little jello based gummies and I can't wait to set up a little shop or a booth downtown and make those. Uh, that is not going to be a reality in the legal swim lanes. That's different than alcohol, right? Like if you were to create your own line of, of beer, is it easier than to create your own line of weed when it does become legal? Is there less loopholes and, and work to be done? You know, I mean, I'd imagine they'll, they'll be comparable, right? You know, as okay. I understand it, uh, you know, you can brew your own beer at home. This is not legal advice, but probably like five gallons or 10 gallons or so. Yeah. And, you know, New York State's going to allow for some home grow. That's still a ways out. Just remember that, folks. You know, home grow, they're still in this comment review period. Uh, as it is, we might not have, you know, legal medical or adult use home grow in New York State in this 2022 season. Really? Because um, I, I thought that there was six plants allowed. I keep hearing these these rumors floating around. Maybe people just want that to be the case. Well, so you can't so have that, six plants? Well, you will eventually be able to because that's what's kind of been written and that's what they just closed the comment period on. But until like that's adopted as as the regulations and that, that then becomes a reality, between then and now, technically that's illegal. You know, yeah. and so this is and that's another difficulty, you know, finding out, you know, where, where's the truth and the information on all this? You know, who do you trust? Because, you know, there's there's a lot of speculation. And, and I think a lot of people don't know how to change their hats and say, this is a fact and this is my opinion. And then this is also what I just heard. You know, I mean, well, it was big... written. I mean, technically, they can just pull up the actual documents and look at it and see what it says. I mean, is there that being said, is there is there a website quickly that we could link to our listeners in the Instagram stories so they can actually look and see all this information if you know they don't have time to listen to the whole thing say? Yeah, you know, the most important thing besides putting out a complicated link, the yeah. best way to realize this is we have an office of cannabis management. Okay. So go into any search engine, Google up, you know, you know, office of cannabis management, New York. And their website will come up in the first couple listings. From there, dig through it. Uh, one of the most important places on there is uh, the board meetings. You'll see a link at the top because in these board meetings, they've been meeting about every month. They're going to have meetings a little bit more frequently right now. And we'll probably yeah. talk about conditional licensing uh, for that purpose. But a lot of the agendas and the documents they discuss and approve are posted there. So you may be in other parts of the site that regard to licensing and laws and all this other stuff. And you're like, well, I, I heard they adopted this or they proposed these rules. And you're really going to find it in the agenda under the board meeting where it was approved, discussed, or presented. So that's, okay. that's one of the, but poke around, smoke a doobie, poke around. And, um, you know, I've said it multiple times, uh, you know, you know, democracy is not a spectator sport. You know, they do open up these, these comment periods, and, uh, hey, there's always going to be the legacy in the illicit market. But if anybody's really interested in creating legal opportunity for the layperson in New York, you know, we all need to get involved and organized right now. I love that advice. And there's a lot of people listening that might already be thinking they're on the right track to selling weed legally. Many people book me, as you know, to do these weed events in New York where I show up. There's a bunch of vendors and they're selling weed. I don't know if you say legally, but it's not as illegal as it once was, I guess, right? Um, so a lot of them are making LLCs. And a lot of these guys are under the impression that it's going to be kind of easy when this transition happens for them to go out and sell weed legally, get some type of, you know, be grandfathered in or whatnot. So um, how much truth is there to that? Like all these hundreds of vendors that are all over New York and the city and Long Island, is there any chance that any of these guys are going to be able to turn to a legal business? Or is this going to come back and bite them in the you know what? 
let, let's let's unpack your your statement question there. Um, we have heard, right, for conversational yeah. stake that, you know, uh, justice involved people, legacy folks, you know, they want to bring them to the table and give them opportunities. Now, that was before the MRTA murder was passed. We are now after, ex post fact, we're after that line. So don't think that illegal activities now are going to count as legacy or justice involvement in the past. You know, so if you get arrested now, that's not going to look good on you. If you're conducting a business now where you're, you're conducting transactions and you're not collecting and reporting and, you know, uh, paying taxes, that's not going to look good. Um, I think we should actually look to some of the guidance that's been released. If we actually look at um, there's two conditional programs that have been rolled out uh, in the last month. One is for conditional cultivation and one is for condi uh, conditional retail. So these are programs that kind of help kickstart this whole process. So we acknowledge it takes time to have meetings, present, review, et cetera. So these would be things where they say, all right, you know, for a, a conditional period of time, we're going to allow like a smaller version of the program. And if we look at the conditional retail side, currently as written, now it's in a comment process, but I mean, they're asking, yes, for folks to uh, have uh, ownership in a viable business, but they're mm -hmm. also asking for like audited financials, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, make sure, you know, you're paying your taxes, you know, yeah. I I'm not going to condone uh, anybody's uh, illegal behavior. And let's be clear here. Uh, the, the board has said gifting is illegal, right? They, they've made it. What is the exact term of gifting to those that don't know? Gifting is literally taking weed and give it to somebody so that it, it's kind of like, I guess they're selling it under the table. How, how does that, what exactly is gifting? Yeah. So I, this is something that's like exist for years, say mm -hmm. in like Washington, DC, you go in and this is why we use this term like sticker shops. Okay. You go in and you're like, Hey, look, you know, I mean, I get this fresh batch of Crayola blues and, you know, this marker is going to cost you 50 bucks. Hey, thanks for buying that $50 marker. By the way, you're a nice guy. You know, here's a here's a free bag of pot. Um, it. So it's, it's gifting. Um, but the OCM, Office of Cannabis Management, has made it clear that, you know, any any exchange, you know, in the same time it is a monetary exchange. You know, it's uh, the intent is obviously there. Now, hey, look, you guys can have your opinions. You can call Saul and pay him whatever you want to tell him, whatever you want to hear. Yeah. But if you really want to have an opportunity in the legal market, you need to be smart about it. Don't think that you're smarter than the system. What makes you smart is by figuring out the system and how, how, to, how to behave properly within those rules. And yeah, you can poke the boundaries and push the edges, but don't try and do something that they're not letting you do right now. Think that's going to bring you in the back door. You that know, is it. Does it harm people like you that are trying to do this the right way, per se, and legally within the boundaries when they're throwing these parties and there are all these vendors doing what they're doing? How does that affect you? Well, put it this way. I'm one of the few. Don't get me wrong. Actually, there's many, but I'm, I'm part of a group that's trying to make this accessible to everybody in New York so we can grow it in our backyard, so we can have viable businesses, so we can be New Yorkers, you know, yeah. who – who get to grow and sell marijuana. Now, the more laws and rules that are broken, the larger the black market gets, the more restrictive the laws are going to become, the more restrictive the regulations are going to become because what we need to understand is the state wants their money on this. And how are they going to do that? They're going to control this. And the more we demonstrate as a group, as New Yorkers, uh, a sense of lawlessness in this space, there's going to be pushback. And hey, this is really a philosophical, deep, 
you know, divide of us and them through time, through all of humanity. You know, yeah. I mean, there's the system, the government, the man, them, whatever it is. And, and I get that. But, you know, we really need to be intelligent, you know, use that uh, that creative time when we, when we do party down, smoke some pot and think outside the box. You know, how do we create an opportunity here? Yeah. You know, because what's happening right now, even in, in, in the, the illicit space or black market, I've been yelled at for calling it black market. So we'll call it illicit. Right. Yeah. And remember this, if you started, uh, you know, now, now, time out. Who, who's yelled at you for calling it black market? Because isn't that technically what it is? I mean, why is that an offensive term if that's what it is? I'm I'm a white dude with dreadlocks who walks on eggshells, man. I, I when 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 I even talk like this in public, so you know what I said. You know, I respect your opinion, and I'm going to use the word Alyssa. And somebody got a little upset with Alyssa. I said, oh, hold on a minute. I mean, <laughs> I can only go so far off center here uh, before we have no idea what we're talking about anymore. You know, we have to have some words yeah. to explain and communicate with each other. Um, yeah. But you know what's important here? If we're talking about New York. Um, and, and this really is a, is a message to all the trappers and all, all the interested business owners out there or soon to be business owners, players, operators, you know, we got to start thinking about New York, right? Cause if we keep yeah. buying those cheap Oklahoma black market packs, the ones from California and all their vape products, how, how are we ever going to get a sovereign supply chain and support our cultivators here? You know, I mean, yeah. if you're getting a $500 pack from Oklahoma, right? How are you ever going to pay a fair price, even to a black market grower here in New York that wants 15 or 2000? Yeah. You know, we're never going to have that part of the supply chain here. So we're either going to buy our own actions. We're going to continue to be custies, right? We're, we're going to yeah. get taxed. We're going to get the garbage. There'll be zero transparency. Um, or we can be creative, start communicating and figure out how do we support, you know, how do we start supporting and continually yeah. support New York based businesses? Because uh, remember, you know, the, one of the most, one of the greatest powers we have in our life, right, is is that dollar vote. Where do yeah. you spend that that dollar? And sure, you know, I mean, you know, with the local plug, that's a good place to start. <laughs> but uh, you know, might be like, hey, to the local plug, hey man, you know, can you start sourcing some stuff that's local? Um, so how or, how can they do it to the local plugs that are out there listening? Can they go to a New York buyer? And what's the perk over spending the five hundred dollars? Is it it just has to be more than money and more about the principle, essentially. That's it. I mean, do you really and and what you're getting at here, really? And this is a question that everybody really needs to think long and hard mm -hmm. and deep about. Where do you want to be on this? Are you just a lifelong trapper, licit market, black market, legacy market, and that's where you're staying? Or do you legitimately right? There's a line right here. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, no COVID. Can't <laughs> catch good, I'd rather that than a curse word. It's fine. Call all you want. <laughs> the, uh, you know, but you need to know where you're going to stand. Do you legitimately yeah. want to own a license, have a brand, start up a grow? Like there's literally a line in the sand and you're going to have to figure out where you're going to stand on that. Once yeah. you know which side of the line you're standing on, and I'm not going to say there's a right or a wrong. Obviously, you know, I'm not uh, advocating for anybody to break the law here. Um, but I'm just saying philosophically, a man, a woman, however you identify, you need to be clear on what you want to do. Once you know, those decisions are going to be a lot easier. It's going to be yeah. like, hey, look, I mean, here's this mystery pack from Oklahoma with zero transparency. Don't panic. It's organic, you know, or like, hey, you know, here's a guy over here. You know, this is local. I've been to the grow. I know what's going on. Or really in a perfect world, what New York State wants 
when these, you know, uh, when these dispensaries and these grows come online, you know, support them, especially if mm. they got good stuff. And that's another thing too, is I feel like the quality when it's grown <laughs> here, it's bound to just be better. Not having to be shipped, not having to be as, as handled as many times by as many people. Look, I support local. I get it. But it is it is tempting at the same time to go and save that money because I feel like most of these people aren't farmers. Dave, you're a real farmer. To those that are just tuning in, we do have Dave Falkowski in studio, and he's not just an expert on the legislation of marijuana, but he's an actual farmer. And that's another reason that you have kind of an advantage over a lot of people is because you understand how to cultivate the land, and you've been doing this for a very, very long time. So it might be frustrating if you're just a lifelong trapper, as you say, to even try to get into this business without the knowledge of how to produce it. So I can see that. And even then, you know, I I may be a 20-year organic, you know, veteran farmer growing mushrooms and vegetables and cannabis in the form of hemp outdoors. But even for me, this is a major challenge. Uh, You know, the Northeast is not Northern California. This is not the Emerald Triangle. Um, You know, we don't have um, the same microclimates. You know, we have uh, perennial insect problems just for hundreds of years of producing food for Manhattan. The, uh, the hurricanes, the humidity in the fall. And, you know, there's ways to pull off quality, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> stuff here, quality outdoor grows. Uh, but I'm, I, I acknowledge I'm going to have to migrate yeah. into uh, an indoor setting. And when I say indoor in this context, uh, really like a next generation of like greenhouse grow in a way, like a, like a mm-hmm. hybrid between old school greenhouses and like, you know, the, the more modern indoor stuff. Yeah. And uh, so for some contacts there, the local coffee shop down the road, a couple of large Dutchmen come in working guys and hey, they're a little sweet on me for whatever reason. They're always, Hey, how you doing? And uh, you know, with uh, energy prices soaring globally right now, you know, we've always heard about the Dutch and yeah. uh, their, their uh, advanced greenhouse technologies. Many of those greenhouses there tell me that they have friends and family back home are closing because they can't afford to heat them um, wow. and, and other, you know, and run uh, associated equipment. So, you know, a, a smart entrepreneur is going to say, OK, you know, we have stuff that's got us this far and uh, I'm not necessarily going to reinvent the wheel, but maybe I'm going to go from a tubeless tire and make sure it's foam filled so it doesn't go flat down a bumpy road. If you kind of get what I'm alluding to. So mm. don't think that. Yeah, I may have an advantage that my mind, my mind thinks in an agronomical way, but I still have a lot to learn and and a space to adapt into also. And the more we do together, the further we can all go, but we got to know which side of the line we're standing on and and whose hand we're holding when we walk down that road. I love it. So we can all take something from that, whether you're a seller, a grower, or just like me, a consumer. And before we go to a quick break, I will say this, there's one advantage I think I know that it messes things up legally. It's kind of like when you're in school and there's a few bad kids like myself that is ruining it for everybody. It feels like that sometimes where like the laws are written to prevent these idiots that are doing what they're doing. But at the same time, it is normalizing marijuana and it's making it so that normal people that might not have even smoked. I'll go to these weed events and there's 40 to 60 year olds that have never really smoked that are there to try the edibles. So it's good for the culture of, con- of consumption, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, although it definitely, I could see it being extremely frustrating for somebody like you that's doing it the legal way. And this is like, you know, a lot of these guys, they might've been selling pots since they were 13, but you've been getting ready for the legalization of growing it since you were 13, I would imagine. Right. Very, very long time. Yeah. Not to throw you under the bus, but yeah. So, you know, as we, uh, as we go to break, everybody go check out Dave on Instagram at open minded organics. He's got a shop in Sag Harbor. Go there, not just uh, for your 420 essentials, but anything, crystals, 
any type of uh, healing methods. That's not just doctors forcing pills inside of you. He's got it all there. So, Dave, uh, any uh, website they can go with the actual website for OMO? Yeah, What's that? www.openmindedorganics.com. It's the same uh, you know, hashtag there up on Insta. Uh, we have uh, OMO, the apothecary on Long Wharf and Sag Harbor. There's a phone number, 833-833-3800. Uh, uh, you, you can call anytime. We're, we're a real mom and pops. And you know, by supporting local, though, I mean, it allows me to spend time with Ryan to bring quality information because – we want everybody in New York to have an opportunity here. And I, and as well as Ryan, I mean, you know, we differ very often sometimes in perspectives, but when we come together and we communicate, it's going to become viable for us because especially right now in this formative time and one quick one, Ryan, you know, on the, the, the edible stuff, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really calling some people out right now, whether, you know, you're, you're on the illicit side, trying to be legal, whatever it is though, get your stuff right. Well, let, let's get into this because this is I, I do have some yeah. more questions for you, Dave. Yeah. I know you're a busy man, but it's 420 and that is a great topic because everybody wants to know about these edibles. What the hell's really inside of them? And I want to know about some local competition that I saw in Sag Harbor today. Got mad when I saw a store opening up in Sag Harbor. I was like, what the heck's going on? We're going to get into all this. Dave Falkowski's in studio. This is indeed the Ryan Show FM and we'll be back very soon, folks. Let's go. <laughs>
existence M.E.T. Ain't no use for resistance H.O.P. I beat the ultimate rush to any on dust The Egyptian must used to have me pull my sluts I shift like a clutch with the ruck Examine my I don't stop till I get enough Your broke down like your flares Since the dark side tears you into Hollywood squares Six million ways to die, so I chose Made it six million and one with your eyes closed And blindfold cold so you can feel the rap And shatter the glass in second half on your And you're my man, hit me now Just to play me now, they can't forget me now Forget me now, I rock the spot, check clock Empty off a licking off in hip-hop Billboard, I'm a bullet on my block How you dope when you pay for your billboard spot? Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane It's the folk doctor spot, smoking on the train How high? So high that I can kiss the sky How sick? So sick that you can suck my d Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane Recognize Johnny Blaze, ain't a damn thing changed How high? ハウセイ。そう、セクテチュケサクマディ。マメンウェイドロックスカムホームイデイ。リリオントザロックスゲットホームパフォーマンスボーンエワウォトザレッドゾーンウィドニードヨーダルティウィガダアフノーチャキ
as a motherfucker. I be on the back streets, and bitch know I'm clap beat. Only if you got beat, man, you better holler at me. To get get locked up, stabbed up, shot up. Every time I pop up, a lot going on in my hood. I shoot the dice and holler, get them girls. Daddy need new shoes. Daddy need Pirellis to look mean on 22. Stash box, Xbox, laptop, fax machine, phone. Bulletproof this bitch and I'm gone. 2003 suburban swerving. Too many sips of Henny. The D6, they searched the whip and they can't find the semis. They was just harassing me cause they know who I was. Spent the night in Central Brooklyn, so smoking some bulls. Cause I be high, I be high, I be high And if you heard I done let off a clip It ain't because I be high, I be high But I twist that la 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 I get high as I want and nuggin' Go against me for show, you's a gone and nuggin' I don't smoke to calm my nerves, but I got beat Finna crush my enemies like I crushed the ass sheets If you love me, tell me you love me, don't stare at me, man I hate to be in the pants, clapping one of my fans Now let me show you how to greet me when you meet me When you see me, if you're real, mind again You know how to holler, G, you man There's no competition, it's just me 50 cent, motherfucker, I'm hot on these streets If David could go against Goliath with a stone, I could go with Nas and Jigga, both for the throne. I don't need Don Perignon, I don't need Chris Tangeray and Alize, I don't need this I get high all the time, I smoke that good I stay high all the time, I'm on some hoochie Give me some gold, purple haze and some chocolate Give me a Dutch and a lighter, I spout this And stay high all the time, I smoke that good I'm high all the time, and I'm on some hoochie Besides me who write lines and squeeze nines And have holes in the hood sniffing on white lines You don't want me to be your kid's role model I teach him how to buck them 380s and load up them hollows Have shorty fresh off the stoop, ready to shoot Big blunt in his mouth, deuce deuce in his boot Sit in the crib sipping Guinness, watching Menace Then oh lord, have a young boy getting buckin' shit like the old dog My team, they depend on me when it's crunch time I eat and we're getting food in broad day like it's lunch time You feeling brave, we're getting go ahead, get gully See if I'm gonna leave your brains leaking up out your scully I done made myself hot, so ain't this you could tell me Now you're calling me to feature, man, off your money I ain't hurting, I'm alright, and now I'm doing good I ain't got the right rhymes, I got bricks in the hood I don't need y'all, Perry, y'all, I don't need Chris Tangeray and Alize, I don't need this I get high all the time, I smoke that good I stay high all the time, and I'm on some hood Give me some gold, purple haze, and some chocolate Give me a Dutch and a lighter, I spout this And stay high all the time, I smoke that good I'm high all the time, and I'm on some hood G-Unit, are you ready? G-Unit, are you ready? G-Unit are you ready? But it's ready or not? Here I come, come, come. This broadcast of the Ryan Shaw Fam is being recorded on 420, and I have Santa Claus himself, or at least 420 Santa Claus, here with me, Dave Falkowski. And the man's so busy, I can't take Santa Claus on Christmas Eve, so we're going to have to wrap things up very quickly. But before we got to break, Dave, 
By the way, we played a lot of great marijuana music. Little Rick James. I play Mary Jane on like every single show. People are probably so sick of it, but it stays in the rotation. Before we went to break, Dave, you did mention that you were calling out the edible people. There have been times where I've eaten a cookie and woken up three, four days later. There have been other times where I've eaten a cookie and I felt nothing at all. How the hell can you tell how much THC is really in these things if you're making them at your house? How can you tell how much THC is in the weed? The whole thing just never made sense to me. So when they're slapping 500 milligrams on a label, I just feel like it's a lie. Maybe you could clear up a little confusion I have about this. Yeah, I, Number one, again, this is not any advice for anybody to break any laws. Let's even talk about in the context of home infusers, okay? But know, know what you're putting in something. You, if, if you're getting a concentrate from somebody or a flower from some, you know, you, you should have a lab associated with this. If you're manufacturing a product for human consumption that you're giving to another person, they need to know what they're about to experience. That's that's what the future of this regulated market is going to be built on is things being standardized. I mean, we've all heard it at this point of, you know, well, one day I had the one gummy. Ryan, you, you just said it. Um, you know, recently uh, I just saw I was somewhere and uh, I was showing uh, some of our new uh, CBD gummies, actually. Right. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a real proper process that homogenizes in the, in the gummy substrate. You know, we're not dripping oil on afterwards. We're not dusting it with isolate powder. The whole thing is mixed, homogenized, lab tested. And I get it. Not everybody has access to lab testing. But then somebody brought up on the counter. It's like, oh, somebody brought these by the other day. And they were literally like jello shots. And you could see the FICO, the full, ex, the full uh, you know, extra cannabis oil, like the hash oil, whatever it is, the distillate, like settled out. Because like jello takes a while to set up in the fridge. Yeah. And you know, that's not homogenous. So somebody could go and if they're very sensitive, hey man, I'm, I'm a five milligram kind of guy, five to 10 MIGs, I'm good. But if I got one of these pieces where it settled out and I had 50 MIGs, that's an awful experience. And, and that's not the type of marketplace and industry we want to build. That's not the type of client base we want to build out. So really start demanding labs for stuff because, you know, the right people will have access to them, you know? And imagine if, if you were drinking, Dave, sorry to interrupt you, but imagine if you drink a beer and you think it's what, 7% or 4% alcohol and it's 20%. It's just insane to think that you can get away with that with the weed stuff. So truth be told, I mean, I love my beers, right? I'm, I'm a Guinness guy. <laughs> <laughs> no kickbacks from them. But uh, I mean, I love my IPAs. And, you know, to your point there, I find sometimes when I go out, uh, I was actually just down at uh, the Sam Adams Tap House at uh, Faneuil, Faneuil Hall there in Boston for uh St. Patty's, yeah, it was, it was pretty lit down there. And I was hanging out, and I was trying a bunch of the beers. They got really great stuff. But I was asking, what's the ABV? Because, you know, if I want to have, you know, four or six beers and imbibe that night, you know, I don't want to start out with the 8% beer. And I'm sure most everybody can relate to that, you know. Or, you know, when you get somebody hands you a cup or a beverage, you know, is that the equivalent of a, you know, a hard seltzer? Uh, is it the equivalent of a glass of wine? Or is it literally the equivalent of Bacardi 151? And, and it can actually be very dangerous, and it just doesn't look good for all of us. So you know, to your point a little earlier, Ryan, you know, you're out there doing your thing. I'm doing mine. We're all trying to normalize this. We really need to put this into check, you know, where it's like, especially in the edible space, you know, where, where you're, 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 you're marking stuff properly. You know, I was right. having a conversation with somebody like, oh, we've got these nerds ropes, and, you know, they're 500 milligrams, but really there's only about 375 in there. So it's like, guy, why, why don't you just put 375 on there? Because – you know, somebody's going to think that they have this super high tolerance, then they're going to eat a product that's actually dosed properly, 
homogenized properly, they're going to eat 500 milligrams and they're going to have a really bad time possibly. So it's uh you got to think about other people's, you know, it's uh, people are just thinking about their money. That's really what it comes down to. People are just thinking about their money. And you know, you, you mentioned that you know, I don't want to be in the same breath as you dude. Cause I'm just a radio host. I'm just getting paid to show up at these things. I'm not selling pot. Am I yeah. profiteering from what goes on at these events? I wouldn't even say so. I'm on the radio right now. Not a, not a dollar, damn it. You know what I'm not saying? Not a dime. I, I'm just there to kind of support, if you know what I'm saying, right? They're having me appear at these things. But, uh, you know, that being said, um, yeah, you, you, you can just tell it. It's uh, a lot of sketchy people do kind of s- to sink. They sink in the pond a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You see the pond all laid out. You want to fish from there. But sometimes you might catch a boot. It just yeah. can't. Uh, it just can't be that way. So yep. moving forward, that's not, not how you build community, not how no, you build and community. and that's what it's all supposed to be based on. Especially these parties, they take such pride in it being a community. Everybody getting together, having each other's backs. Everybody makes a little bit of money. They all get to feel like an entrepreneur and have their own business. So you say testing and getting labs. How can these street dealers that are making these edibles and selling them hand over fist? How can they test this stuff out? Or is there really no way? <laughs> they're conducting illegal activity, so they're not going to have access to legal testing. It's a catch-22. There's no home test kit or any easy way to see how much THC is inside of a plant? You know, there nothing that I've seen is, is highly effective. But I'm going to say that, again, I am not condoning or enabling any illicit activities here, but I'll say this. I do understand many people are buying concentrates and then infusing them. Mm-hmm. At the very least... And concentrates can be very dangerous. So a little understanding. So when we when we grow a plant, yeah. when you extract all the goodness out of it, it concentrates everything that's in there and possibly the potential for heavy metals, the pesticides and other things used there. So for anybody out there that's a trapper making edibles, you, know, you want to make sure those resins, rosins, concentrates, distillates, they're coming from a quality source and ask for a lab because chances are yeah. you could actually be getting people sick. Remember, let's go back a couple years ago this whole vape crisis, right? People were getting sick sucking on these vapes. That was vitamin E acetate. That was honeycut. Wow. And everybody was assuring everybody in that quote unquote supply chain, hey, don't worry, it's not. It's, it's you know, there's vitamin E acetate free cut and and don't trust people. You know, it's, yeah. I, I don't know it unless I see it. And, uh, and so that's all I'm trying to do. Look, I don't want to throw shade on anybody. I'm just saying yeah. there's room for everybody to get elevated because all it's going to take is a handful of quote unquote adverse reactions, you know, where they call into the hospitals, poison lines. And, and that's when the FDA gets involved, the health departments get involved. And that's really what leads to crackdowns. And, you know, so this is just like a PSA is, uh, you know, besides basic, you know, food safety handling, which I'm sure most everybody's doing, but know what you're putting in stuff. And uh, I'm glad you're saying this right now. I feel like it's so important to stop people from doing this because they really might start cracking down. And when they do write this legislation, like we were talking about earlier, it's going to screw everybody over. They just wants to have a good time. They're going to make it more strict. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this, this, this is really in the higher concentrations that people are ingesting. We need to remember smoking is way different than eating, right? You know, our liver metabolizes, it changes the cannabinoids. It's more of a long haul, uh, and hey, look, I, I'm not, I don't want to come down on anybody's neck. And at any time, yeah. man, my, my phone is open. Um, you know, I'm here to talk to anybody objectively if, if they want just to discuss all of this. Even if you have an extremely differing opinion, that's awesome. You know, even if, if where you are. But at the end of the day, this is about building community. 
Yeah. You know, it's uh, and that that's all I want to do. I want to have a healthy, prosperous community and opportunities for myself and, and those members of the community as well. You're a good man, Mr. Falkowski. Dave Falkowski in the studio, but he's got to deliver his presence. It's 420, goddamn. I do. <laughs> the man's got to hop in the studio. <laughs> <up. laughs> Follow him on Instagram and ask him questions. Like he said, he's always open to discuss. Invite him on your podcast, on your radio show. It's important that we get this information out there to you, the people. Dave, any last words or gems for this fine audience listening? When, when am I going to get some of this pizza? Ooh, as soon as you decide to take the ride to Mineola. Yo, getting you to Mineola is going to be impossible. It's like getting Santa to the South Pole outside of Christmas. Maybe yeah, today. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Today I'm not going OTC over that canal because I might get a UTI up the island. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. That trade parade is heinous. I felt like the Puerto Rico Dude. Day parade this morning. <laughs> oh, I've never seen on, so many man. terrible drivers. All right, yeah. this is the Ryan Show FM. We're going to play some music. Only the good weed stuff. Follow Dave on Instagram at Open Minded Organics. Go to the website, OpenMindedOrganics.com for all the info that you need. Dave, it's been a pleasure. Folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back. Rounds up on some suckers. Heard PPP and LOD is a bunch of crazy motherfuckers. I mean, journey to the land of song. The winter of the spitting bomb marathon. The marathon. Whatever you choose, prepare to lose that title. Turn the vital situation suicidal. My idols is my uncles who start on you who fall the vitals. Gave me a buck when I bust my first rifle. Administration cycles, I'll give you. I'll bring your dress when you stop. I'll give stitches. Whatever. Go crew for crew, blow for blow. Bang your head, piece of sniff the snow off your heart. keep on How ugly do you have to be to be a hardcore MC? This fool by my blacks and my light skin complexion. My whole texture is balling, destroying the schools of the whack. From the land of the lost, you get tossed. Listen to my voice, my crew's coming off. Yeah, more sneaky than casino switches. Digging ditches for all mosquito leaks. The more decimal figures, I'm getting out figures. Now my choice of truck is a land, cause a land crew's much bigger. Impacts two to three years. Damn, I hate the gold digger. Yeah, give me that microphone. I make components shh in all like Tyson's home. I keep the jack cellular phone blown in three zones. Love seafood and keep my nine millimeters grown. So it can shine off your dome. When I proceed to give you what you need in clear spots like sea breeze. Record your ass getting style. 24-7 wow. My crew chin check your profile. Ah. Sega, Sega, blow your blocks and patterns for about nine acres. 
Test these, crew wearing bulletproof and double Lexus. Call Kanai down, camouflage can't hide the sounds of a four pound. Give me your six flags, bust a merry go round. But my crew stay ill with the unreal appeal. I be the raw water, my cheekbones ought to have gills. I be low like the opera, smooth on the trigger for all you block. I be the key to criminology. Blast and rotate enemies at three bucks sixty. Pick me as your senator. Take the love from your battlefield, son. Now switch up in the tar. Run, head for the hills. Back in the day, these bitches hit up for me with the trunk filled with bomber Brooklyn's sheeps and quarterbills. Y'all take that yesterday. Your money's mad for real. Body court chills as he ate this nine mil. Mine kills too, but my nine was signed sealed and ready to deliver. But money had me too close to reach for toast. Time is short. Before I go, just remember, if your box ain't on FDS radio, you're first boy, you're first boy. Microphone check, one, two. Hey, yo, you ready to get down, man? Yeah, whatever, man. Hey, you ready to get this on? Yeah, whatever, man. Uh, you, uh, you saying, uh, whatever, man. Uh, uh, hey, yo, uh, yeah. whatever, man. Check it, cool, B. Keep your daughter way out past a curfew Hard, far from commercial Ah, uh, we don't give a f*** when we s*** out In the land that's dope doubt No doubt, I'm this bomb I cop from the street Get you open like butt cheeks From girls who be freaks Hey yo, can I be SWV? You the one Rap Shogun, yes, you the one word You ready to start this Whatever, man You ready to get this cheddar? Whatever, man You ready to roll this Whatever, man you ready to start this? Yeah. Whatever. Yo, I'm rolling with the 40 pack and get my from Branson cause this sack's bigger. Yo, give me that. While I clap, lyrically tap, palm back, ferocious, causing comatosis to collapse. So, ah, I see people waving on the map. I make it hotter than your thermostats. Form MCs with rough megahertz, so call me Funk Dr. Verbal Starburst. Lyrical expert, your boom box better form a union, cause I leave your circus overworked. Word by. Fuck like they want it, but I be in the 500 with these steadily getting. <laughs> You cool at what you spitting, so why you holding up for so long, politicking? I'm Ace of with the technician of electrician. I don't gotta pot the pizza, but still spend my last on hydroglycerin. I keep it live, don't jive. Duchess, that's masters like the furious five. I keep your crew the eye, but acting dumb. Why not? Why we talk on this? Before I started to crawl I got my whoop when I had my first brawl But things 
changed since I was 12 years old. I specialize in wrecking mics and area codes now. PPP, the kind of that a bug with you. Later on, stick a slug. Everything that's light green ain't the bomb. I got different forms to make you lose your calm. Feed my lips, you ain't hitting unless you got 10 on it. Get on it or get the fuck out my sight. You ready to roll this shit up? Whatever, man. You ready to rob this? Whatever, man. You ready to. Yo, whatever, man. You ready to guzzle this? Whatever, man. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Vernell speaking. If you're in the entertainment business, listen up. When I was a kid, I was told that there's no biz like showbiz. While this saying used to apply to television, radio, and live entertainment, it now applies to any type of an entertainment platform. Yes, that means you with the kitten YouTube video channel, or you, the Instagram model, and yes, even you with the sports blog. No matter what type of entertainment platform it is that you're building, you're going to need a team to take it to the next level. And this is where a group of specialists like Arise PR come in. Just take it from me. When I needed help with my marketing campaign, I reached out and founder Adrienne Russo helped me herself. She put together press releases, hit up the blogs, made commercial scripts, added to the website and refined it. She even created a sponsorship deck, which is just the icing on the cake. If you have a company and you're trying to take it to the next level, then you should hire a Rise PR. The easiest way to contact them is right on Instagram at MyNewYorkMinutes or go to their website, ArisePR.com and check out a list of their services. But don't forget, tell them that The Ryan Show sent you. Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Brunel speaking. Do you have big dreams? Are you looking to one day own your own business, car, a house, or something that is simply out of your price range? Well, in order to do so, you need a good credit score. It doesn't matter if you have a terrible credit score or if you're just looking to improve your credit score, you need to go to an agency that you can really trust. One PR Credit Solutions is exactly that. Based out of New York City, I've seen firsthand what One PR Credit Solutions is capable of. Now, here's the real good news. Go to the website, oneprcredit.com and get a completely free credit credit analysis or if you're sitting on instagram right now scrolling around go to at one pr credit and send them a dm or just call them direct at 718-687-7079 one more time that's 718-687-7079 and be sure to tell them that ryan sent you and you'll get the special treatment it doesn't matter if you have good credit we'll make it even better if you have bad credit well don't worry we'll make it less lousy what are you waiting for hit up one pr credit solutions now and tell them the ryan show sent you and we're back, folks. This is your host, Ryan Vernell. We're broadcasting worldwide from the Hamptons Cannabis Expo 2022. This is the fifth year that they've thrown an event, I would imagine, to this capacity. And I'm sitting here with one of the great women of our time. Thank you. I'm not just saying this because you're here right now, Cheryl. I don't believe that. No, I swear. You've I've been done pretty my research. consistent. No, I swear to you. Normally, I'm just winging it. But for you, I did some research. And I know that you're more than just a powerhouse in the cannabis industry, which well, is not, which is not easy as a man or a woman, considering. All I the give thanks for that. I give thanks for that. My name is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire. I'm a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. Um, I'm currently the COO of the Justice Foundation. Um, that's spelled J-U-S-T-U-S dot foundation, and um, we do a lot of great work in the community. So we're based in Harlem, New York. Um, downstairs in the Harlem Business Alliance, we work with legacy operators. So those of you who have your 
guy in cannabis who's always supplied you with your cannabis. Those are the people that I help. Those are my constituents. And we help them get into the legal industry. So we know after legalization, there's usually a wave of enforcement that comes not too long after. We want to make sure that before that wave of enforcement happens, that all of our guys get a chance to get a legal license and do what other people are doing. Wow. And also, you can tell by that intro, I didn't have to ask her anything. You can tell that she's a broadcaster with yes. an intro like that. <laughs> she's not just creating the culture, which, which is what I want to start by asking you this. Do you realize as you're working in this industry that you're literally creating the culture for generations to come? As this legislation comes out, as these laws are written, it just to me is such a... It's not like the, the, the re-legalization of alcohol, because it's been 100 years. Prohibition was, what, Absolutely. only a few years. We have a, a bit of a blueprint, but yes, I am very cognizant of the fact that we are creating culture, we're creating the laws. Um, I've legalized in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, Nebraska, Iowa, and other states. Um, media is that conduit to the public. Yeah. Um, we have a responsibility to educate and tell people the facts. So I've had uh, a number of media broadcast so I was on Cannabis Life Radio for four seasons wow. and I have my own podcast called Terps in the City so nice. you can go to terpsinthecity.com I will be checking out Terps in the City thank you now we talk about creating culture and, and part of this creation of culture is erasing the stigma that's been around for so many years and a lot of the stigma is racist frankly I don't know if you've looked back and researched I've some looked of the back laws quite and, a bit. and the verbiage of things that were written Yes. So to me, it's just as important when they're writing this new legislation to make sure that everything is done so intricately that we don't have to face these problems in 100 years from now. Yeah, that's one thing I appreciate about, appreciate about the New York legislation called MARTA, yeah. which went into effect in 2021. It does acknowledge and recognize that um, there was detrimental harm done to our communities. Yeah. And um, the rationale behind MARTA is to remedy some of that harm um, to rem provide remedy for those who were significantly war um, harmed by the criminalization of cannabis. So MARTA also transforms the words from marijuana, which is uh, rooted in uh, racism, yeah. to cannabis. So it starts using cannabis as the term of art in the state of New York and, and normalizing that. So um, every bit of every one of those steps is so important to reduce stigma. Yeah. You know, as um, I'm an African American woman, I'm child of an immigrant. I'm of Jamaican culture, and in the Black Church, in Jamaican culture, there's a tremendous amount of stigma related to cannabis. My parents have, have never consumed. When really? I went to law school, they when I came out of law school and passed the bar, they were like, "So you went to law school to become a weed attorney?" And, um, you know, I just feel like it's something that's really spiritual for me. Yeah. And I have a responsibility because not everyone in the movement can get into the open the doors that I can. So I have a responsibility to my people. Not only that, but I notice around here and this isn't to take shots at anybody, but people like me, I serve time in jail for marijuana. I know it seems crazy. So you're what they call justice involved. Yeah, I mean, look, I was culturally spreading pot all over the high school, the colleges, like whatever I could do when I was a kid, right? Right. So now we see all these corporate white people and people that are have nothing to do with this culture that users and recreational users have normalized and created over the years, investing their money into this industry like it's anything else. And I wonder how, uh, how that is going to, you know, it's just like, it's capitalism. 
It is it's capitalism. Normal, but I still wonder what the effects of that are going to be. And I'm going to be asking some hard-hitting questions up here. I, I can I tell like that you're really I like about the, this I'm, I'm here for all of the hard-hitting questions. Um, I, you know, when I first started in this industry in 2016 in the legal cannabis industry, yeah. um, I was like one of the only faces. And I went to my first event. I learned my second event, I was like, I need to be on stage. I'm not seeing diversity. I would contact promoters and say, how do I get on your stage? Because I'm not seeing any diversity. So I've been speaking nonstop since then. Um, With regards to, you know, white mainstream taking over the industry, with regards to the industry ownership not looking anything like the consumer base, um, we're getting there, but there's a lot of work to be done. What, what um, needs to be done? Like, what, what can we do? Because yeah. they, they just have such an advantage. People that have money, it doesn't matter what the color is. If right. you have a ton of money, you have a huge advantage. So how can somebody that has been working, like you look around here, you see sure. all these small businesses. Do they yes. even stand a chance at this point? I think the way they will stand a chance, and a lot of my work has been around social justice, yeah. social equity, and social responsibility. Okay. So... Thinking about social responsibility, those who are already license holders have a responsibility to the community to give back. We need community redevelopment, reinvestment as part of our legislation and regulations going forward. It should absolutely be a mandate. And then besides that, um, you know, there should not be any license caps. License caps do not facilitate a inclusive industry. There should be low um, barriers to entry, so the fees to participate should be reasonable. Um, not a hundred thousand. Not a hundred thousand dollars. My um, state in home state in Florida, because I was born here, but I yeah. lived in Florida for quite some time. That's where I'm barred as an attorney. It's a hundred forty-six thousand dollars to apply for a license, yeah. non-refundable. So what does that do as far as the ability to participate? Can anybody who even trying it? Absolutely. We need to have expungement as a part of our licensure structure or as a part of our our legislation, our regulations. We need home grow to be a part of the process. So, um, and we also need technical skills training and education. The Justice Foundation that I run at in Harlem, founded by Steve D'Angelo, Um, that's what we do. We try to bridge the gap with the technical skills and access to uh, legal counsel. So we have a whole um, access to capital issue in the industry that restricts a lot of people without means from participating. But there are ways to go around that. There are private investors that we need to make sure that when we are engaging with these venture capitalists, private investors, that we provide free legal services to the social equity candidate, to the legacy candidate, so that they do not get into predatory situations. This is a lot of responsibility in the hands of the people and in the hands of those with money and those that are in power to actually do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. So do you worry that it's not going to work? I mean, when you look around, like we said, there's all these little small businesses, but most of, I don't know, you don't see many... Like, for instance, I know somebody very well is uh, Freeway Ricky Ross. Remember Freeway Ricky yeah, Ross? absolutely. And I know him. A- he's a good friend. He's partners with my friend Bo Money. So shout out to Bo Money and Indica out in the West Coast. Nice. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So he's another one that, as prominent as he is, and no matter his influence and how much money, it's just difficult to break into an industry like that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just, I do wonder what the future is going to look like. But Cheryl, I do think that we should have you on the show for real. I look forward to it. Well, you asked me a little bit before, do I worry? And I say, I don't worry, I educate. You know, I don't worry, I 
um, acquire resources to redistribute to people who are interested in, in becoming license holders. Um, I educate them. I help them with their skills, technical skills training. I build relationships with our regulators so that we can create the world that we want to see. So I don't worry at all. I only worry when I end my day and I don't do the best that I can wow. for our social equity participants and our legacy participants. So we've made a lot of progress. There's a long way to go, but I'm here for the journey. And so I say to everyone who wants to get involved, buckle up because we're this thing's flying at lightning speed. How about those that are listening? The weight of the world's on your shoulders, but there must sure. be something the listeners can do to help lighten sure. the load. Just those that are out there listening. What what can they do either erase yeah, the if you or want help? if you want to support the work yeah. of the Justice Foundation, visit our site justus.foundation. You can also make a, a donation to the Justice Foundation by going on legacy Two with the number two legal.com that's legacy to legal.com uh, we have a t-shirt available for sale at justice gear j-u-s-t-u-s gear.com so there are lots of ways that you can support feel free to stop into our service center in harlem we have computers set up for people who are legacy and social equity to fill out their applications. If they don't have um, computers at home, they can come into our office, they can use our, our, our technology and our computers, and they can also get supported and ask, um, ask for advice. So that's the work we do, we're really proud of it, and I'm glad that you know people like you, Ryan, are spreading the word and helping us spread the word. We do our best. I'm sitting down with Miss Cheryl Murray Powell, Thank and you. she can be followed on Instagram at at virtue and victory so v-i-r-t-u-e-n victory and i also have a merchandising line called kenurban.com so if you go on instagram for at kenurban you'll also find me as well she's looking fly right now i would believe Thank that you. she's got some good merchandise out there i'm in good company that that vintage nwa hat yes. actually matches my outfit so i See might that? have to steal it later on in the night i'll trade hats with you well, that's the most badass hat here right now yes yeah, so the, my fascinator just like the British wear. Um, it's just. Say, that's, yeah, I, I don't even know what that's called. That's yeah. how. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, Uncultured. Thanks for noticing. And yeah. it's green for. It's emerald green for cannabis and it's nice. emerald green for money. We're going to bring tremendous economic opportunity to our communities, to our municipalities, to our states, and to the people that love the plant. So that's why I'm wearing emerald green today. So thank you for noticing. Hey, it's been an honor sitting down with you. Thank you. And we will be inviting you back. Everybody follow Cheryl. We're going to go to a little bit more music, maybe a little Rick James. Love Rick Mary James. Little Mary Jane. Yes. Right outside. I'm inspired to play it right now. This is the Ryan Show FM. We'll be back soon, folks. Thank you for having me.
back folks this is indeed another live broadcast wink wink of the ryan show fm we're at the fifth annual hamptons cannabis expo that does mean it's 2022 and there's many listeners like myself that may have been in trouble with johnny law over the years when it comes to marijuana and other fun things to indulge in and that's why we need an expert up here tonight to ask a few questions too we have jody Eskreen here tonight for the first time ever welcome to the ryan show fm jody Thank you for having me, Ryan. Great to be here. It's great to have you here, especially because I could have used your advice years ago. And spent it, instead of doing thousands of dollars, spending days of my life in jail for marijuana. So I must ask, 
what brought you as an attorney to 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 be fighting this type of uh, you know uh, crimes and, and defending these types of people because I'm sure that when people get into law that's not originally what they're going for what was your experience getting into this field well a couple things first of all when I became a lawyer I've always enjoyed the cannabis plant pre-lawyer time when I became a lawyer nice. the first thing I thought was I'm never gonna do anything with this again is that how it works so literally they I really did think yeah. I you know and this is years ago now yeah but at the time right we didn't have legal markets yeah and so I thought, okay, we're gonna set this aside and you know, I have to follow the law. I'm a lawyer, right? Like, this is something that I have to do ethically. Um, so it was an ethical thing. It wasn't anything to do with them testing you. No, You have no that type of a strong me. moral compass that you would literally not use weed out of ethics back then, because that's, that's very telling. I think part of it was ethically, yeah. and I'm bound as a lawyer. You yeah. know, we take an oath, you know. Um, do you? See, this is news to me. We do, yeah. Wow. To uphold the law, right? Okay. I mean, I just watch him better call Saul and making... We can't, you know, we're not supposed to yeah. do it illegal things, and we are not supposed to counsel clients to break the law. Um, we can help clients try to comply with the law, yeah. and so when cannabis became legal in certain states, part of my job is, I'm actually not a criminal lawyer, so if you get pulled over for a cannabis-related offense... I am not the person. Call you somebody want to call. else. Do no. not call me. Uh, I'll give you a guy to call. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but what I do is I help businesses, mm. right? So I help businesses comply with state law so that they understand how the regulations work and they can make money, right? Like because at the end of the day, everybody wants to make money. It's nearly impossible. Pro profits it, and you know. It seems so hard to make money within the cannabis space right now because it's so flooded. So. And, and legally speaking, like you said, there's a lot of legislation that's almost sneakily written that'll screw you over if you're trying to get into this. So to somebody that is trying to, you know, like one of these vendors here, get break into this industry, what legal advice do you have to give them? Maybe something they should look out for before getting into this. Yeah, a lot of things to look out for. Uh, one is I say spend money on the front end so that you don't have to, you know, defend yourself against mm. a claim later. Right. And so, for example, we've seen a lot of companies make mistakes with labeling their products. Yeah. Uh, there was a big product recall in New York very recently. Mm. I won't name the name of the company, but their product had to get taken off the shelves because they didn't, you know, put the right weight amounts on it, uh, according to the regulations. It's a very specific thing. You have to test by wet weight in New York versus dry weight in other states. Oh, so if okay. you're putting THC content based on wet versus dry weight, it's different. See, I didn't um, even realize that and was... And that's the fine print, yeah, right? Exactly. You have to read the fine print. And the thing is, cannabis, as opposed to any other industry, let's say you're in the construction industry, yeah. that's been around for a long time. Like, the laws have been written for a long yeah. time. People know how to do business in the construction industry. Of course. Right? You have to. You're doing cannabis, everything changes every day. Yeah, literally. Right? And every it seems state like is different. And maybe every locality is different. So mm -hmm. if you're operating in California, where I'm from... LA rules are going to be very different from Sacramento's rules or, you oh, know, wow. Northern California. Um, so, so when you see New so York, I say read the right, read the fine print and get someone on your side that will help you make sure that you're staying within the lines. Do you see similar legislation being written in New York that exists in California right now as they keep moving forward on the legalization process? Can we learn from these states that are, are, are like, you know, good or bad things at this point? What do you recommend? Yeah. I think so. I think yeah. we should be keeping the lines of communication open. Because like right? you said, it's because so we different. need to learn from the mistakes of the past. Exactly. So obviously we've had legal markets on the West Coast for a long time. Mm -hmm. Not to say that they're all doing well, right? Mm. Like I'm sure everybody in New York knows about all the problems faced by California operators. Mm. We have really, you know, complicated tax issues. People are losing money. There's 
you know, an overabundance of product that can't be sold in the legal market. And for that reason, we have a lot of people still doing, you know, underground sales. Oh, yeah. Still and, you know, there's a day. booming yeah. illegal market that's still happening. And it's driven in part by aggressive regulation. Mm. You know, if the regulations aren't written in a way to allow people to make money doing business. Yeah. People are going to find another way. Always. You know what I mean? No so matter what industry. The best thing we can do, right, as new states come on, whether it's New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, anywhere on the East Coast. Yeah. Let's look at what things have not worked mm, in mm, other mm, places mm, mm. and not do that. So um, what is so specifically one thing like that leads to this? Like I know you say very strong laws that are written over in Cali because anyone that knows knows that people are getting their weed from California underground these days. No matter what yeah. state you're in, it's all being shipped out. So what, what can they do to avoid that specifically in New York as they write this legislation? Mm -hmm. Avoid aggressive overtaxing. Okay. Um, avoid, you know, things that are going to be very impractical in the way that people do business. So uh, there's like a fine line between being protectionist and making yeah. sure, obviously the regulators want to make sure that people are safe. Yeah. They want to make sure products are tested in a way that they don't have pesticides or harmful chemicals or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but make sure that testing labs and protocols are accessible and aren't so... Uh, difficult to actually get to that yeah. it is making it unduly expensive for people to operate and that's part of the issue is you know the way that everything is segmented and um, excessive regulation tends to make everything very expensive and problematic with anything I would imagine right mm -hmm. yeah so technically this is the women in the weed segment we're putting a, a spotlight yes. on these breathtaking, yes. powerful women. Yes. Power players. Thank you for doing industry. that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, well, we're we doing thank our you best. For that we need to erase the stigma because yeah. women can be better businessmen than men. Businesswomen. That's what we like to call them around here. Businesswomen, right? Yeah. So to other women that might be taking a similar career path as mm -hmm. yourself, yeah. what advice would you give them? What do they have to look out for as a woman in this industry? I've spent my entire career growing up in a man's world, you know, in terms of being a lawyer, right? Yeah. I'm always one of the only women in the room. And for a while, I loved that. I loved kind of being different. Yeah. And that I could be the badass woman in the room. I guess I just sort of swore, but that's probably okay. Um, good. But I did a lot of, I spent a lot of time trying to replicate what men were doing. You know, like, hmm. how do they handle business? And how do they, how do they argue, you know, in court? Yeah. Um, but trying to be like a man isn't really the way women should should run their business. They need to be themselves. So I say to women, be authentic, right? Be you. Um, mm. And bring yourself to the table because half the consumer base are women too. That's the key right, right? there. Yeah. So we have to remember that, um, that we bring a lot to the table and we speak a slightly different language sometimes. Um, I, and that's okay. Like we don't have to pretend to be men in order to do our job. Especially when half the consumer base is not men women yeah so absolutely. it's like who are you trying to speak to here you don't have to force yourself into that role so yeah. how much yeah. change have you seen mm -hmm. in new women being part of this movement over the past few years since you since you started do you notice that there are more women in the room with you or is it still a huge lack of women in the room i still get a lot of women coming to me and saying yeah. you know it's so great that we're like the five people in this room of 100 people um, you know, when Smiling. I go to events, it's still definitely predominantly male. Mm. Um, and we bond together and we say, you know, we pat ourselves on the back and like, you know, say we're badasses for being here. Yeah. Um, but we want to see, you know, out of the hundred, you know, if we're at a room of a hundred people, let's get at least half of us mm. being women. Um, now, there's still a lot of work to do. I mean, In my opinion, there's still a lot of work to do. 100%. Yeah. Like we talk about all these stigmas that need to be erased. We haven't really got into the stigma 
of women not being able to do business just doesn't make any sense. We just live, like you said, it's a man's world. We have all these psychotic old men. Mm-hmm. My philosophy is that old white men become evil after the age of 40. <laughs> and they, used to, they never used to live that long. And that's when colonialism, all this stuff. Yeah. I'm just joking, people. Well. But we are sitting with Jody S. Green, and she can be followed on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I imagine, right? Yes, the that's real the kids Jody are. Green. The real Jody Green. Yes, the real J O D I G R E E N, like the color. Love it. Yeah, it's so ironic. Yeah, find You're me not, on Instagram. So I mean, that's it was meant to be. It you was were, you were to born be. into this, literally. Yeah, it's my favorite color. Uh, it's one of my favorite plants. And, and you wear name. it well. She wears it well. If you listen on the radio, I wear it well. She's dressed eloquently. Says Ryan. Elegantly, so, I say. Thank you, Ryan. I do my best. <laughs> and uh, and Jody, any last words for those that are listening in Nigeria? For those that are listening in Nigeria, um, you know, uh, come find me on Instagram, find me on LinkedIn. I, I'm very active on both. Don't don't tempt I them with a, a good lot time. Of tips and tricks. You do not want to tell them to message you on Instagram. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. But Jody, it's Thank been an honor. Much. We're going to bring you onto our actual broadcast with our other two hosts that unfortunately are too high to be here right now. They're all the way in New York City. They're not coming down here. This is the Ryan Show FM. Jody S. Green. Ryan Vernell on the mic. We're going to play some music. Jody, what's your favorite marijuana-based song? My favorite marijuana-based song? Yes, infused song. Oh, man. Song. I don't know. Me gustas marijuana. Me gustas too. Is that a real song? That's me a real gustas song. Marijuana? Okay, I'm going to remember that. Write yeah. that down. Me gustas marijuana. Me gustas it's, it's too. Like, it's like a... It's a refrain from a song, but yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to learn something new tonight, folks. Stay tuned. Don't go nowhere. We'll be back. Cheers. And we are back live at the fifth annual Hamptons Cannabis Convention 2022. It is good to be here. I'm sitting down with the legendary woman of our time. Oh, come on. I've done my digging. You can stay humble. Let me be the one to, to do your introduction for you. It's not often that you find real-life businesswomen, businesswomen that, ha- that have success in other realms, and it translates to something that many would deem an underground type of business, although that's ever-changing. So I'll everybody, take it, Ryan. I'll take it. Take because it. Because I am very accidental in cannabis. But one thing I noticed. Accidental. I accidental. Hmm. More on that in a second, but let me tell you something that I observed. Yeah. I've been early in amazing industries, early in technology, early in the internet days, yeah. and now early to cannabis. So I'm thrilled for that opportunity. And, and you were a pioneer in other industries that were emerging as well. I'll take it. But we still have to give the right instruction. Everybody put your hands together. We've got Jean Sullivan. To friends of hers like myself, we may call her Jeannie. And Great. wow, so love it. About how many years has it been since your ascent into the cannabis world? Well, here's what happened. 2014 rolled around. Okay. I'd already planned to roll off my fund. I was a co-founder of a good-sized tech fund in yeah. New York City. And so I've had many years as a GP in that world. Yeah. I rolled off. Isn't it time to do something new after, mm. you know, many years? And that was the year New York passed the Compassionate Care Act. Making things, erasing that stigma slowly, okay. Here we go, because here's what happened that made it so accidental. My husband, John, said, I'm doing this. I went, "Uh uh-oh, I better learn this stuff because, Ryan, I gave my kids hell when they smoked in high school. I didn't like it when John smoked. Wow, so this this is very different than what I had expected. Well, it gets better. I then buy my adult kids now and John and all my friends, so many goodies and love 
giving it to them. And my kids and my husband think I am the coolest mom and wife in the entire world. What a reversal. World. What a 180. So time out. What was, the, what was the biggest punishment that you gave out to your kids for smoking pot? No, listen. Well, we sent them off to places to get rehabbed and everything. Wow, it was like that. It was bad because I had the stigma on me. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to believe the war on drugs. You yeah. know what I learned? What? The war on drugs is a war on people. It's a oh, war sure. on research. It's a war on science. I'm appalled. But then something else happened. I read Steve D'Angelo's book. I listened to Ethan Nadelman's TED Talk. I went, what? We still arrest, even to this day, thousands of brown and black men and boys. I was appalled. I said, I got to do something about this. And thus, I became this fierce advocate for the plant. Essentially, realizing I wouldn't even say the error of your ways, but the error of what you were programmed no, into I was thinking. Completely stupid over Man. it, and that's why I love lifting that. So here's what's fun today. Yeah. People say to me all the time. They look at my face. They know I'm not a 20 year old. Yeah. I don't have any tattoos. Really? And you're kind. Yeah. And high points for that, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. And they say, "Why are you doing this?" Hmm. As if I'm running a porn ring. So the stigma is still there. For sure. Every day I work to flip people so they understand. You know what you have to do? I think you should just actively smoke pot on camera and what? show them that it's fine. Do you actually indulge recreationally? I do point? because if I'm going to invest, which I am yeah. uh, an investor in many companies, yeah. I got to understand these products. 100%. I got to know are they worthy? For example, yeah. I have tasted every beverage product there is and guess what up till now they sucked really terrible but they're finally coming online with some fabulous delicious why do they suck i gotta ask like is it they is didn't it the have taste? the taste profiles mm. right yeah finally they're working on the terpenes and flavonoids yeah. the formulations have you ever tried did you ever think you'd be saying the word terpene i love it's it it's like unbelievable honestly it. it is an amazing story and it, it shows, it, it normalizes the fact that you can change that programming well, that you were taught. this is why I love the industry, because yeah. I am a techie inside, so okay. I love the science. I love yeah. the technology. I love the amazing entrepreneurs I'm meeting. That's thrilling to yeah. me. And so, to learn about the formulations, about extraction technologies, yeah. about growing technologies, lighting, I love all that. Yeah. And so, I'm a real junkie for all that. No pun intended. You can't be a junkie <laughs> with the wheat. Now, another question that I had for you, too, in terms of investing money, do you think it's a safe investment? Because you've been involved in, in putting money together and deals look, together. Look, At this point, I feel like it's just such a flooded market no, and listen. everyone's trying to get a piece of this pie right now. To those that are out there listening, what's a piece of advice that you'd give in terms of investing money? What's a safe investment? Thanks for that question, because any time, and I have, I've counted... Yeah. I have been part of over 150 investments yeah. over time. And over the last eight years, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of cannabis companies. Mm. And it's the same one-liner. The only time one should take their wallet out to invest, if that CEO knows what to do and how to do it. And that's with anything I feel, right? I mean, it's really who's running the company. Is that Important, just cannabis? or critical. Yeah. All kinds of companies. Yeah. So you're not born knowing what to do. Yeah. So has that person, has she figured it out? Has she built the right team? Does she know how to raise the financing? Yeah. 
bring the esprit de corps to the mm. business, all those things you have to look for. Yeah. And as a seasoned investor, there's some pattern recognition. Mm. Now listen, I still screw up. They're Who not doesn't? always winners. Yeah. But many times they are if you do your homework. So, so what's the, so do you go with your gut feeling? You say do no. your homework? When it, you when you were well, researching to invest in somebody, you look into the CEO, what is it that you're supposed to look I for? I do believe the gut's important, yeah. but the brain has to figure out, have they done the right things? Yeah. Do they know how to call the strategy? Mm. Have they hired the right team? Yeah. Are they clear with their own messaging? Do they have marketing under control? Mm. Do they know how to hire and fire right? All this is critical. So the brain works on that and the instincts, which I learned in my 20s, that I have good instincts on people. Yeah. But if I don't listen to that, then maybe I've screwed it up. Wow. So I think that's what's important, both of those. Now, yeah. another important thing, it's nice to have co-investors yeah. to talk about this with. Because I don't believe that, you know, going on your own yeah. and in fact you'll hear me say this today um i'm the mc for most of this afternoon i'm looking forward to watching you speak well thank you i love doing mc work but i've learned a wonderful uh a wonderful saying yeah if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together i think it's critical to have other people around you you might not always agree with them that's good yeah. you can refine the thinking help the company take those next steps put the right amount of money together all that's important wow. that's a real piece of advice that's a gem right there and not just to you potheads out there that want to start a business it's take an old African proverb and I love it that's an African proverb it is my god what a great proverb! I've heard it before but I know it's from Africa pretty cool pretty cool for sure so moving into 2022 you have experience doing this how do you see New York emerging in this cannabis world? Is it going to be a similar fight that Colorado and California faced in terms of legislation? Or now that there's been legislation written in a lot of these states, is it going to be an easier transition for New York to erase that stigma? Let me say this very carefully. I know the next two or three years are going to be a lot of chaos and confusion. Mm. But guess what, Ryan? We are taking steps forward progress is happening this is the state of the rockefeller drug laws yeah. the state right. that believed that we should throw everybody in jail for all kinds of drug offenses wow. that is finally ended that's a good thing it is and now you're going to see tremaine wright today our wonderful chairwoman of the ocm this is exciting yeah. she's doing everything in her power to hire the right team. So important. To put you the regs in anybody, place, yeah. yeah. And you know what? Hopefully, they've looked at the mistakes of other states, and I know they have, Yeah. but it's still gonna be pretty crazy. So for all sure. we can do is be glad for progress. We as investors, to support some wonderful entrepreneurs who yeah. know what to do and how to do it, to fund them and to help them be successful. That's why I am so excited to be here on the ground and to make that happen. I love it. One more question, because this is women in the weeds after yes. all. We're putting an emphasis on the women that are able to break through in an already tough industry to break through. What advice do you have to give to other women out there that are entering this industry? Tips, words of advice, something that they should be ready for that's different if, if they were a male. In this First man's of all, world we live in. 
here's something you often don't hear and you're hearing it here from me. We want the cannabis industry to be an industry of diversity, of women, of people of all walks of life. We especially want to build the ranks of women. And so it takes other women and a few good men to do that to recognize that women have so much to bring to the table. And guess what else? We don't want dispensaries that are just for a bro culture. Yeah. We want dispensaries that serve women. We want products that are for women. We want formulations that are right for women that, that help cure women's ills yeah. and health. So let's make that happen together. Because we are different species. I love that you're putting right. the emphasis on selling products specifically right. to women. Right, we want that. It doesn't need that. to be all And there know, are some dynamic women yeah. playing in this business. And we, as women, want to help those women find their way. So call me, email me, love it. talk to me. I'll lead you to victory if, if you want that. And so I'm thrilled for the chance to continue to play. Well, let's start with Instagram. Where can they find you out there on Instagram? Is there an ad name they can follow? You know what? I welcome a LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. That's where the real business goes down. Get yes. a LinkedIn if you're listening yes. right now. It's not all Connect with me on LinkedIn, Gene M. Sullivan. Find me at the Arcview Group. I advise companies also. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Gianna212. And I'm happy. I can always respond to your email. So okay. find me and I'd love to talk to you. Because it's a volatile place. Ha Twitter happy gets crazy. For that. Happy for that. Right. And guess what? I unabashedly yeah. invite people to our first live event for Arcview this nice. October in New York City. Ooh, and it's okay. the first time we're getting together since February 2020, which was Santa Monica. Wow. And guess what, Ryan? What? That was my 22nd Arcview event. And Arcview has been in business more than 12 years now. Wow. We used to do five a year. So we believe this is our 50th live event. And so we want people to join us. We want companies to pitch. So if you have a company, we want to hear about you. And so just delighted to meet you and be with you. Hey, hopefully I can be there as well. We'd love to have you. Follow Ms. Sullivan. She's on Twitter. She's on LinkedIn. Jeannie, it's been an honor. Thank we, you, Ryan. I'd like to bring you onto our actual show. We do the show with the legendary Mr. Cheeks, the Thank social you. at Hamptons, Dave. This is just a special broadcast where I get to sit down with some powerhouse women in this industry. It has truly been an honor. Thank you. Any last words for our listening audience? Delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you, much. Folks, we're going to play a little bit of music, and we're going to leave it up for you. What's your favorite weed-related song? Oh, let's see. You can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Wow. I didn't ever think of it in terms of weed, but I haven't thought of a better choice. Amazing. All right. Rolling Stones in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We'll be back. And we're back, folks. This is Ryan Vernell speaking. We are live on many a radio station, but most importantly, we're live in Africa, Courtney. Have you ever spoken to actual Nigerians? It's first time. Really? Well, it's four in the morning right now in Nigeria. So it's a perfect time, if you're listening to Nigeria, to pop a few psychedelics, because we got to buckle up tight for this one. Let's get trippy. Let's erase a stigma, a horrible stigma that exists, Courtney. So first, I want you to introduce yourself, because I could sit here with a long-winded introduction, but if we could summarize it in a very quick intro, let them know a little bit more about you before we get into this, because we have an expert in psychedelics, somebody that spent a great deal of time erasing a stigma that needs to go. 
Thank you so much for the kind words. My name is Courtney Barnes. I am a social justice and regulatory attorney that is focused on drug policy reform. So my passion is the decriminalization and safe regulation of plant medicine. And my day-to-day -day involves typical lawyer stuff. So when you first got into law, was this the route that you wanted to take? So sort of. I actually have been in the cannabis space my entire legal career. I was at a music festival before I was um, sure as to what law school I was going to, met some of the founders or event coordinators for the National Cannabis Industry Association. They told me that there was this cannabis law firm in Colorado. I assumed it was criminal defense because I had never heard of anything else. And she was like, no, they represent marijuana patients to help get access to legal marijuana. And the rest is history. I clerked with them my first summer of law school and stayed with them for five and a half years. There's a really, another stigma that exists is that professional businesswomen like yourself that are capable, competent, able to execute, aren't able to do, you know, I don't want to say do drugs, but indulge in things like marijuana and psychedelics. How much recreational use were you uh, acquainted with before getting into this field with any of these different drugs that you're essentially fighting for right now? So as an attorney, I'm not able to answer that question. I figured as much. Comprehensively. I got to ask the tough questions. But I struggled with that myself starting in cannabis as a professional lawyer. And, you know, you are like, should I be ashamed of this? Should I yeah. hide it? But at the end of the day, plant medicine has profoundly impacted my life and the lives of my family members in a positive way. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. So obviously, as an attorney, I'm limited in what I can do and yeah. my ethical, you know, requirements. But I am so proud to be working towards That's this That's such movement. a shame, though. Like that, that, once again, even as an attorney, you can't even say if you were to do something like that because of the stigma that exists. And like you said, it's plant medicine. Absolutely, yes. I can say that I have been profoundly impacted by plant medicine, yeah. but yes, we can't get into specifics. Well, um, you eat enough of it, listeners. You'll be profoundly impacted, too. I agree. If done safely, responsibly, with the right set and setting, especially in a legal environment, yeah. I obviously cannot advocate for breaking the law, but it has the real potential to save lives and to heal people. So what is the setting that you recommend? Because we've had bad, I don't know about you personally, I don't want to speak for you, but I've had some intense mushroom trips over the years, especially as a kid when I didn't really know any better. I was just kind of you know, experimenting and testing as these things become legal. Uh, you know, I, I wonder, like, how do you, what is the safe space, essentially, to indulge in some type of psychedelic where it is medically uh, acceptable? Sure. So that's a really great question. Everyone's different. Yeah. What they're using those compounds for are different. Their experience, their tolerance levels. But really, it's know exactly what you're taking. Ensure that, you know, you've tested your drugs if they're synthetic. If you haven't had much experience with using controlled substances or psychedelics start low yeah. i think the kind of you know i grew up in florida for a time and it was sort of you take an eighth of mushrooms or you don't take them at all that's and i think I that's was, really that's irresponsible what I thought, you do an eighth or you don't i yeah. remember being like 14 like grabbing onto the ground like oh my god this is absolutely right. that's it's dangerous yeah. um for some people and so and then being around people that you really trust and yeah. that care about you yes. there's nothing worse than being in a vulnerable state where you have the potential to really open up and yeah. and find love to be you know made fun of or teased or put in an awkward situation mm -hmm. and i think using these compounds at a young age increases the risk of that where you're just you know around people that don't have the maturity to give you a safe container to be yourself in yeah. a vulnerable state and then also um 
As we get into a regulated system and you're using higher dosages, especially for therapeutic purposes, having supervision with the guided facilitator, I think, yeah. is really important. Whether that's, you know, a shaman or ancestral healer or medical professional, there's something for everyone. Um, but we do need a lot of education because of how long these substances have been criminalized. They are extremely safe for the vast majority of the population but not without proper and responsible use for sure it's like you said an eighth of mushrooms completely unnecessary something like psilocybin can be done in very very small doses for you to get some type of a nice positive effect as though you're taking some type of medicine absolutely yes exactly there's situations where low micro dosing where yeah. you don't even really sub perceptual effect can have great cognitive and mood enhancement effects and then there's situations where you really want to go deep and do that healing work and you should have supervision in that setting and um, you know you don't want a lot of stimulation you're yeah. not at a music festival you're in a comfortable environment where you can go within you're going to work yeah sometimes you want to micro but that's not every day it's all right not every day but you know it's better than anxiety medicine and absolutely there's certain things that'll knock you off your feet way worse than mushrooms and psilocybin especially it has the microdosing potential which yeah. is more of a you know, mood enhancement than it is a solution to a deep-rooted problem but psilocybin has the potential to like cure these indications oh, yeah. so as opposed to taking Prozac or some medicine for the rest of your life where you feel better but you're not really getting to the root of anything psychedelics have the potential and have demonstrated this consistently to be able to really heal people from within um, permanently I've never been to a therapist it's very telling. Obviously, I've never been to a therapist. I'm a psycho. But I will say that certain amounts of dosages of marijuana has, or I'm sorry, of a mushroom, psilocybin, has almost acted as a form of therapy to, to really, like you said, to find out your truths. A lot of times you have to spend countless amounts of money on pills and doctors and all these things when it could just take the right type of journey to kind of let those walls down. And that's something that they don't teach you. I feel like it's so important to let those walls down. And that's one of the main stigmas to me that exists. And I wonder... What can be done to erase that stigma from a regular populative standpoint? Because not everybody, they, they think of mushrooms, they think it's a real drug. So what can be done to erase the stigma from uh, you know, those that are listening on the show, say? Such a wonderful question. Thank you for asking. Just like cannabis, just like CBD, we're starting to enter a world again where even if you haven't had an experience that's been beneficial or therapeutic on psychedelics, you probably know someone who has. And my biggest suggestion for continuing to reduce the stigma is to talk about your healing experience with people. It took me so long to have these discussions with my mom and, you know, others. How did it go? How was the first conversation with mom? My first psychedelic experience, I, um, in a healing intentional yeah. setting, I called her the next day and said, hey, like, I saw my father who had passed away. I had this whole download about, you know, energy neither being created nor destroyed. There's no need for your goodbye because we're all still kind of here. And I think when people even that have their hesitation or bias can hear in your voice the sincerity of your feelings and, yeah. and experience, it's hard to discount that. So it's yeah. not like she went out and you know, went to Mexico the next mm. day, but she's supportive and open-minded. And I think the more professionals, athletes, veterans, celebrities that can come out and just be proud about their experience and, and share how to help them, 
that's the best way to reduce stigma is personal experience. Look what Aaron Rodgers just did. Absolutely. Such a, such a huge wall to be broken down to have somebody that big. Yes. Advocate for, what was it, ayahuasca, he said? He mm -hmm. actually attributed his MVP seasons to psychedelics. So that's pretty big. It is because we have so much clutter in our minds um, and we are our greatest obstacle, yeah. honestly. Like there's so much power and spirit within us that if we can just peel back those layers and let go of ego for a moment, yeah. you can end up being so much more powerful than you were before. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, you know, you could have your opinion on who and why and yeah. the reason, but that's what we need more people talking about how these compounds can help each other and safe use. So one of the coolest things that I read about you is that you were behind changing the legislation and the literature of uh, laws that are created for psilocybin out in Denver. Yeah. So first off, what was that overall experience like? How much sleep did you lose over that? Because I can only imagine the work that must go into changing legislation. Like It's not like marijuana. That's a you know a bigger substance. So what was that like? It was a massive team grassroots effort, uh, an incredible group of advocates came up with this idea in Denver. They had, some of them were behind the social use ordinance to create a local law. And luckily Denver's very um, fortunate to have a ballot initiative process. Okay. So you don't necessarily have to go win the votes of your city council members. Oh, okay. You can create an initiative, collect enough signatures, and then get on the ballot and then the citizens get to vote. Wow. So there's about 23 states that have those processes and it's really an incredible piece of democracy. but. They came to our my former firm, Vicente Cedarberg, with this kind of idea, yeah. and I had the opportunity to help piece it together into a ordinance that would deprioritize the investigation and arrest of adults okay. engaging in the personal use of mushrooms and make it um, prohibit the city use of funds for engaging in the investigation, arrest, and prosecution I of adults. That. Don't investigate. Leave us alone. God damn it. And yep. since then, 2019, we yeah. now have 16 cities across the country that have passed some sort of local resolution. Wow, based off of that legislation that, that you That was the first mover, yeah. but the other 15 actually apply to more than psilocybin. They apply to your natural entheogens or naturally produced psychedelics. So mescaline, DMT, ibogaine, psilocybin, psilocin, um, and peyote is not included, but yeah. your sort of broad scope nature. Okay, well... One last question. I actually want to bring you on our broadcast for real. I'm going to have to take your business card, Courtney. I would love this that. This is kind of like a little sample of each person and each woman that's doing great things. This is the women in the weeds after all. Yeah. So to women out there that might want to take a similar route that you have taken in terms of being a part of this movement and creating this culture, erasing the stigma, what advice would you give to them and what challenges might they face that are a little different than men that might be taking that path? Ooh. Make sure you're following your heart and your passion because at the end of the day, this industry will be massively profitable yeah. in the next five to 10 years. But if I wanted to make a ton of money being an attorney, I certainly wouldn't be advocating for decriminalization of psychedelics. <laughs> I was say, it's a sacrifice so right It's such a fulfilling, beautiful career path, but make sure you want to do it for the right reasons because it's, it's not your typical lawyer job. Mm. And then again, like, it's all you. Be confident in yourself. Trust yourself. Perseverance. Yeah. Persistence. That's it. All right. So a nice gem for those ladies out there that might be listening. In terms of New York, one last question. 
how soon are we going to see psilocybin, not just the stigma, but made legal in a state like this? Are they going to follow the footsteps of Colorado and other states? So New York, we've had a couple bills be introduced and sort of make their way a little bit. We haven't seen much progress, but um, legislators like Rosenthal and others are really, really trailblazing it. There's been bills for decriminalization or honestly descheduling of psilocybin as well as some psychedelic research program creation. Yeah. So there's momentum, there's an incredible group of advocates here in New York. It doesn't seem to necessarily be a priority, hmm. but we there's over a dozen, dozen states that have introduced state level legislation. Colorado will be on the ballot this year. Washington has potential to pass something. New Jersey actually introduced the psilocybin decrim okay. bill. So it's happening, we just gotta keep keep the pressure on. Okay, now, in terms of other drugs, other uh, psychedelics, there's psilocybin, there's ayahuasca, we keep naming other ones. What else do you see becoming more normalized besides psilocybin and introduced to mainstream culture in the next 10 years? So it's all, they all have such different usage profiles. Honestly, Ibogaine is probably the least known. It's an okay. African shrub that has huge potential to cure sometimes permanently opioid addiction yeah it Ooh. is not you know your typical sexy psychedelic it is yeah. a very intense journey but we have so many people dying every day of opioid overdose yeah. and the treatment mechanisms are more so just continuing a different less sort of toxic pill um that are that's still addictive and so this is the potential to be a huge addiction disruptor and i think has the potential to make significant life-saving impact. Haven't heard of it. I feel like such a noob right now. It is you not think? addictive at all. It is ah. not your party drug. You do not really want to take it again. Really? But oh, it's, it's like that. It's a yes. one time. But it's legal in Mexico and Canada. It's really only the United States. Um, and it profoundly changed my life. Um, so that one, would I would say, keep an eye out as far as just real medical potential yeah but as far as mainstream goes I you know I think psilocybin um, and LSD for the microdosing sort of community is going to continue mm. um, and then ayahuasca which is DMT is continuing to sort of get that celebrity yeah. notoriety I have so many questions I want to ask you we're so limited all right one more okay difference between LSD and psilocybin to the to the noobs out there so LSD is what it would be commonly referred to as acid it is originated from an ergot fungus but yeah. it is chemically synthesized okay. so it's made in a lab psilocybin is the primary ingredient in what's commonly known as magic mushrooms and that is grown in the ground and much you know easier and cheaper to produce mm. so they both have similar effects LSD typically has a little bit of a longer duration but they're both your kind of classic psychedelic compounds as far as how they operate in their history and culture I enjoy mushrooms more than the LSD I don't know if it's the organic you know component to it but like you said, it's like the LSD kind of lasts a little bit longer. So look, folks, we're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to tell you what not to do. And that is to keep this stigma going because it really is a, an ever-changing field medicine. I'm sure that 200 years ago, if you were to see what people are putting in their bodies, you would be way more shook. So that being said, Courtney, it's been an honor. And is there any last... Gen oh, you know what we got to plug is your Instagram. Where can they find and follow you? Thank you. My Instagram is cbgoes underscore global. Fair enough. Okay. I'll see you there. It's been an honor. We're going to be bringing her out to the show for a longer interview soon, but until then, 
This is the Ryan Show FM, and we'll be back. And Courtney, let's Thank pick a song, you. a weed-related song for the Ooh. people to listen to. What's your favorite weed? Or, you know, actually better, your favorite psychedelic song for people to hear. My favorite, I was going to say, my favorite psychedelic song? Ooh, um, something Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead works. Let's just go with Fire on the Mountain. You said fire on what? A fire on the mountain. A fire on the mountain. This is a hip hop station. They might be hearing Grateful Dead for the first time. We could do right now. Damn it! No, we got it. We're gonna culture everybody. This is Americana (laughs) at its finest. The Ryan Show FM. Ryan Vernell on the mic. We'll be back. Let's go. All good things must come to an end. Yes even this radio program, but fear not, folks. We will be back at the same time next week. I hope everybody enjoyed the women in the weeds. We're going to have a full, refined version of this up on YouTube soon. But in the meantime, follow Can Expo on Instagram, Can underscore Expo. I, want, I really want to give a big shout out to everybody behind the scenes that came through to the event to help me out. It wasn't easy. We did it at the clubhouse. They're good guys, but there was no sound check. So to all the people that were behind the scenes, making sure that everything was somewhat swimmingly moving along. I want to give you a big thank you on the radio. Everybody that's tuned in, visit us on Instagram at The Ryan Show, and you can see a a ton of other content, links to everything else we have going on. Remember, the Rock Dam Jamaica Party Weekend is coming up very soon, and that uh, that is October 28th, 29th, and 30th. Once again, it's the same place you gotta go to, at The Ryan Show on Instagram for more details. Look, there's one thing better than listening to The Ryan Show, and that's getting hammered with me in Jamaica in October, right around pretty much my birthday weekend. So meet me. We're going to be celebrating my birthday. They don't even know it's my birthday. We will be back next week, folks. Love you all. Goodbye. Peace.